I get frustrated with myself sometimes, um, probably more than sometimes. I laugh at myself. It comes out as laughter. I'll be like, ha <laughs> comes out as self-deprecating uh, humour. But I get frustrated with myself sometimes. I don't know about you guys, but I, I get stuck quite often. And what I mean by being stuck is that um, sometimes I get stuck in the past. Sometimes I get stuck in the present. And sometimes I get stuck in the future. Um, let me explain. Sometimes I get stuck in the past, right? So sometimes I think the reason that I'm here today is as a result of every choice that I've ever, ever made. Not only the reason that, I'm, um, that I find myself in situations and find myself in places that I don't always want to be is because of my upbringing, um, because of you know my parents were who my parents were, because um, of the choices that I made 10 years ago, because... Um, of stuff that I've never really resolved. Um, for those of you that don't know um, much of my story, I grew up in a freezing worker town. Um, so my mum was a freezing worker, my dad was a freezing worker. We owned dogs, a lot of dogs. We owned a lot of cats. We owned a lot of animals. Um, but my mum, I love my mum. My mum was awesome, but she worked pretty much my whole um, childhood. So like. We didn't always get to see each other as much as we wanted to. And she worked in K6 uh, in the work. So literally her job um, was to do stuff with the intestines of the sheep. All right. Um, I'm not going to say exactly what one of the jobs were, um, just because uh, it's inappropriate for young people. Um, but back in the day, uh, one of the ways of not being with child uh, was actually to use the intestines of a sheep. Um, after um, probably five years of mumming, mum doing that particular job, so you imagine doing that job, it was literally considered the lowest job at the works, um, they realised, funnily enough, that the intestines of the sheep is not a particularly effective way of stopping people from being with child. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew that a Middle Ages technique was not actually uh, useful? Um, so I grew up with kind of this inferiority complex. I grew up in Matara, which is like a wee-wee town. Like, it's a small town, about 50% unemployment. So, like, if I was a biblical character, I'd be like... I'd, I, I'd feel like Gideon. And so I spent a lot of my childhood, and even um, up until today, where I sort of see myself as pretty lesser. Like, you know, I'm, I'm the least of the least, so I'll, I'll, I'll tear myself down every now and again, but I get stuck in the past every now and again thinking that I'm the situation or the result of um, the circumstances of my birth. Sometimes I get stuck in the past in a whole different way. Um, I'm also, back in the day, I was also a pretty good rugby player. So I was actually a good rugby player to the point that I was on track for playing for Otago NPC. So I was playing for the next level up after um, the level that I was playing at was Otago. And so sometimes I get stuck in the past going, do you know what? 38. I know, I know some 38-year-old props that are not too bad. You know, Steve Hansen, Steve Hansen could still give me the call up. I was, I was pretty good back in the day. And I actually get stuck on past glories. I get stuck thinking of myself more highly than I should. Um, if I was to go onto a rugby field now, I would pop a hip or a knee or a shoulder. Or probably one of those three things in that order some way. So I can get stuck in the past. Sometimes I can get stuck in the present. So like, for example, I am a chronic procrastinator. Um, even in preparing this message, I procrastinated up until the very last 
minute. Um, there's times where I um, get overwhelmed by my circumstances. So like, um, you know how you have the to-do list in your mind? And there's so much on the to-do list that you just go, ah, I'll, I'll try again tomorrow. So I get stuck in the present. Sometimes I'll make decisions in the present that might actually, actually not be so good for the future. So if I decide to play Xbox until 2 o'clock in the morning, who knows that that's not a good recipe for setting up my future? Shannon's like, amen, amen, now you're preaching, brother. Uh, um, we used to have um, a young adults ministry um, called Resonate. And um, what would happen is quite regularly, um, we'd actually go till sort of 11, 12 o'clock at night, and quite often the, um, the young adults would um, go for a skate after that time. And eventually um, on Facebook or on Instagram, you'd actually see them having milkshakes at 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the morning. And then we'd have meetings at 7 o'clock in the morning, like our youth meetings would be at 7 o'clock, so they'd literally get like 2 or 3 hours sleep. And so at the age of 18, it's like, no, oh, 2 or 3 hours sleep, no worries. At the age of 38... <laughs> you literally wake up crying. You literally wake up upset. <laughs> you don't know why. <laughs> we used to have this saying um, at the young adults when, when our guys decided to do that. Um, future you is going to hate present you. And I mean, how often is it that we sacrifice what's coming next on the altar of what we need to do now? How often do we sacrifice um, our birthright to scratch an itch in the moment. So we can make choices in the present that are like path of least resistance, but can actually hinder our future selves. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a thinker, and thinkers have this thing of getting stuck in the future quite often. And being stuck in the future looks like this. When you're at school, man, I can't wait until I'm 16. When I'm 16, I'm gonna learn to drive, I'm gonna have freedom, man. Uh, when you turn 16 or 17, you go, man, I can't wait until school's over. Can't wait until school's finished. So once school finishes, it's going to be great. Once school finishes, man, I can't wait for university to be over. I can't wait for my apprenticeship to be over. I can't wait for the season to be over. Once uni's over, man, I can't wait to, um, man, I can't wait to um, have a relationship. A relationship's really going to solve a whole lot of things in my life. Once you're in a relationship, man, I can't wait to get married. And so what happens is that you miss the now because you're looking and so focused on the next that you become stuck there, all right? But actually at the end of the day, so that's just me. Um, that's me airing quite a bit of my dirty laundry. I feel very vulnerable. I'd like the lights turned off again. <laughs> but actually at the end of the day, we're all like that, hey? We all have times where we get stuck. We get stuck in the past. We get stuck in the present. We get stuck in the, the future. We get frozen in time. We get stuck in the past, past glories. Um, we get camped at a certain location in our past. Man, our glory days. Man, you remember that time that we did that? Man, that was good times. That was good times. And 10 years later, man, you remember that time that we did that? That was good times. That was good times. 10 years later, man, you remember that time that we did that? That was good times. And suddenly it's 30 years ago, and the highlight of your life is when you're a 16, when you're a 17, or, or whatever. For other people, being stuck in the past can look like being stuck in one traumatic event or one thing that's happened to you that actually defines how you live your life from that point. Um, for others, it's, um, you're stuck in the past, doomed to repeat patterns of behaviour, patterns of family, just um, the same cycle over and over and over again. One of the things that I've noticed, every time I go back to Matara, every time I go back to my hometown, I see 
my friends that I went to primary school with living the exact same life that their parents lived. I see, um, I see them making the, same, um, making the same choices, resulting in the same consequences, and it's basically just the same cycle over and over and over again. And when you're in a place in like a small town, that actually looks like a cycle of poverty. It looks like a cycle of lack. Um, for some of us, some, some of us can be stuck in the present. Now, you know you're stuck in the present if you can't see past your present situation. Whatever is going on for you right this very minute, you just can't see past it. It overwhelms you. Um, if you're the kind of person that sees a to-do list and you just don't know where to start, you're potentially stuck in the present, all right? Um, I wanted to tell you today that if you feel stuck in the present, your present situation is not your final destination. Amen. For some of us, some of us can be stuck looking towards the future. And we're all like that every now and again. We wait, for, we wait longingly for the next season. So we forget the now. If we can just hold on, if we can just, um, if we can just um, you know, steady the ship so that we don't fall off in this season, the next season is going to be so much better. Um, you know that you're potentially stuck at looking towards the future if you're fearful of what might come next. You know, you'll know that you're potentially looking towards the future when you're in your head you've got this specific situation or circumstance or, you know, once I have a house, once I get married, once I have this job, once I finish this season, you're potentially frozen looking towards the future. All right? Um, for some of us, some of us are running from our... Um, what God's called us to do. So we've had these amazing words over our life and it was so overwhelming that you just don't want to walk towards it. Or in another sense, sometimes, you know, you know what God's called you to, but you're here and this is where you've got to go and you've just got no pathway to get there. We can't um, deal with what we're called to. See, there's a reason that God will sometimes only give us part of the puzzle a glimpse of what's to come. Have you noticed that every now and again, God will, uh, not every now and again, often, God will actually only reveal what the next step is for you? It's because if you saw the whole picture, you would be overwhelmed. Your, your, your small mortal body would go, mm-mm, not for me, can't do it, pick someone else. All right? So God gives us a glimpse of what's to, what, what's to come. Now, we know that the things that God has for us are good. We know that the future that God has for us are good. Why? Because the nature of God is good. He wants the best for us, the best situation, the best circumstance. Um, for some of us, some of us um, are actually at the point where we just want to hold on until we die. Man, life's crap at the moment, but you know what? Eventually we're going to get to heaven and, and that'll be great then, okay? Um, my senior pastor, Pastor Ian, used to have this saying, which was really challenging to me. It was like, it's not pie in the sky when we die, but it's steak on the plate while we wait. So if we don't deal with where we're stuck, if we don't deal with where we're frozen, um, it's really difficult for us to move on to the next season, even if the next season is really good. So we have to learn how to get unstuck. Is it just me that gets stuck or... Can I get a waiver for there's other people that get stuck sometimes? Okay, I think God's maybe speaking here, all right? I've got great news for you. If we all get stuck 
And it's an issue that every, it's part of the human condition. It's part of living in a fallen world. It's part of, um, like if we just knew what God's plan for, for us was from start to finish, if we were just able to ask him at any given time, which we can, but sometimes we're not real good in hearing. If it's an issue that we all deal with, then God's actually part of the solution. Hey, if it's something that we all deal with, then God has to be part of the solution. He's got to, if every human gets stuck at some point along the journey, then there has to be something that God does, and he does. Have you ever noticed that um, the way that God treats us sometimes is a little bit like a stubborn mule? We don't want to move, we don't want to move, we don't want to move. Oh, look, we're moving. <laughs> we, we want to stay here, we, don't, we want to stay here, we want to stay here. Oh, staying here is really uncomfortable now. We look to the past, we look to the past, we look to the past. Oh, wait a minute, when I think about it, that was actually a really embarrassing season and situation in my life. Who would like, go, like to go back to puberty? Who wants to navigate? Oh, <laughs> Abby's like, yeah, come on, bring it on. All right, now. She had the, she had the dream run. I, 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 I don't know about you. I didn't have the dream run. At the age of 12, I went, hey, how's it going? Um, between the age of 8 and 12, I put on 45 kgs for no other reason than it's puberty. <laughs> we quite often look back to the past with rose-colored glasses, hey. We quite often look back to the past and sort of like frame it in a way that makes us look amazing. Like in my head, I think that school was amazing. But then when I really think about it, I forget all the really, really super embarrassing parts that I've literally blacked out. I forget the times that I fell into the urinal. I forget the times that I made my year 13 English teacher cry. I forget about the time that I once wrote in my favorite teachers ever, card. I was trying to be funny. Um, and the farewell card, rather than going, hey, you were a really great teacher. Thank you so much. Um, I said, hey, I really think you should go to Weight Watchers. As an overweight 13-year-old, <laughs> I had more reason to go than she did. And she didn't come back the next year. And I feel that it was partially my fault. But there's all these other stories that I could tell that are incredible, but I don't focus on the bad, I focus on the good. For some of us, some of us are wired in the way that we look back with rose-coloured glasses. Others are wired in the way that we can only see the negative and that's what we get hung up on, that's what we get stuck in, okay? I'm really glad at that aspect of my life I seem to look back fondly. <laughs> Man, even saying some of that stuff makes me feel really bad. Uh, I wish that was not true. Um, but see, the thing is, is that God's actually got ways for us to get unstuck. He's given us strategies. There's biblical strategies for us to get unstuck, regardless of whether we're in the past, regardless of whether we're stuck in the present, regardless of whether we're stuck looking towards the future. And he wants us to get unstuck because we can't actually step into the next season that he has for us without being able to move forward. So God is the king of overcoming our excuses. We see this in the Old Testament all the time. Do you notice that in the New Testament it got to the point where like, there just were no excuses anymore? First half of the Bible, excuses, every single prophet had an excuse. Every single person called by God had an excuse. By the time that Jesus came, Jesus died, Holy Spirit came, no more excuses. It was just, okay, time to get the work done. I love that thought. 
that God overcomes our excuses. See, I'll give you um, an example of getting unstuck. We see it in Moses' life. Moses's, Moses's, oh, forget it. I, I can get the, I can get the, yeah, okay, Moses, okay. I can see it in Moses' life and the plight of the Israelites, right? So the Old Testament can be summed up in, we stuffed up, God had to get us out of it. The Israelites sell themselves into slavery, God provides a way to get out of it, they get out of it, the Israelites sell themselves back into slavery. God finds a way to get them out of slavery, they sell themselves back into slavery. That's the Old Testament in a nutshell. We try and do it ourselves, but we end up stuck in the same stuff that we've always been stuck in. And so there's this part where the Israelites have essentially sold their birthright to the Egyptians. They've been not, not only taken over, um, but they've willingly gone so that they can be fed, so that they can be housed, so that they can have what they need to, to survive. But who knows that God doesn't want us to just survive. He wants us to thrive. He wants us to live a life and a life abundant. And so here we go. So Moses in Exodus um, chapter 3 and chapter 4. So when God calls Moses, Moses gets as an Israelite through and through, apart from the fact that he's lived in the king's household from the age of birth. So remember, Moses gets caught up as a baby. Remember Sunday school? He's got a wee basket. The princess goes, oh, look, it's a baby. Moses literally gets raised up as a prince of the Pharaoh. So he's an Israelite with the mind of a king. He's raised up with a king's education. He's raised up with a king's viewpoint. But as soon as he sees his, as soon as he sees his Israelites' um, brethren in, in trouble, his calling... Uh, he, he tries to outwork his calling in a way that's not of God. He kills, he feels compassion for the Israelites who are being beaten and kills the people who are beating him. And so as a result of that, he runs for like years, decades actually. And so when he's called, this burning bush moment that we all focus on, when Moses is called by God, we think it's like, man, he's been through this great preparation time. No, he literally ran for 20 years. That's the, that's the middle of Moses' story. And so when he gets called, it literally takes God two chapters to call him. Two chapters. It's not like, hey Moses, I want you to go and save the Israelites. Moses goes, yeah, no, good plan, let's go. <laughs> Moses goes, God goes. So literally talking to God, bush on fire, booming voice, the whole nine yards, the whole lighting show, Old Testament styles. The atmosphere was electric. God calls Moses. Moses replies, who am I? Who am I to do that? Man, how often do we do that? God calls us into a certain situation. God calls us to speak up. And our initial thing is, oh man, who am I to speak into that? Who am I to pray for that person? Who am I to, to be able to do that? And God gives a reason. Secondly, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? That was the second excuse. This is a half a chapter down. Next one, I am not eloquent. I don't have the words. Next one down, send someone else. How many times have we been the guy that God's, uh, have we been the person that God's actually called to change a situation and a circumstance in other people's life and we go, hey, get Shan to do it. She's more holy. She's She's anointed. Shannon, could you go and do that? And Shannon will either go, yes, okay. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Or she go, no, you do it. God told you to do it. You do it. Like, oh, that's right. 
a wife that calls me on my stuff. Man, thank you, Lord, for that, but still. Finally, Moses goes, I am, sl- I am slow of speech and tongue. So Moses is stuck to the, to the past. Moses is stuck in the past. Not only is Moses stuck in the past, um, the Israelites are stuck. They don't really want to go. They don't want to leave Egypt because it's comfortable, because it's safe, and because they can remember what it was like when things were really bad. And so in order for that to happen, God needed to give, the sla- to give a slave the mindset of a pharaoh to overcome the same situations and traps that Israelites continually found themselves in in the Old Testament. Now, how does that relate to us as Christians? Well, check this out. Sometimes to get us out of our own stuff, God needs to give us the mindset of Christ in order to get over our own humanity. We literally need to have the mind of Christ. We literally need to have the character of Christ. Once Moses and the Israelites finally find themselves out of slavery, that's a good place to be. If I had to choose between being in slavery and being out of slavery, out of slavery, thanks very much. Even though the Israelites are out of slavery, they're, they're in the wilderness. They don't know, they know where they came from. They don't know quite where they're going to, just it's this promised land. And after a while, they start complaining. Not only do they start complaining, God provides everything for their needs, provides water, provides food, provides um, spiritual GPS, cloud by day, fire by night. So literally a running miracle. Just so we go, man, has God really called us pillar of cloud? Man, it's getting really dark at, at the moment. Has God really called us pillar of fire? Man, we're starting to feel quite hungry. Food literally falling from heaven. Man, we're actually quite thirsty. Water coming out of the rock. So even seeing the physical manifestations of God, the Israelites still get to the point where they look longingly back at at slavery and go, do you know what? We got to make bricks. We got to make something. That was pretty good. (laughs) You know, creative. It it fills my creative need. You know, I just want to be creative. Who who needs straw? You know, we can do do bricks without straw. You know, you get a good consistency of poo in there and um, it just really really helps with it. I mean, don't eat the poo, but like, you know, it's just provides quite good. um... Anyway, um, shouldn't do too much exegesis. That's all I'm saying. All right. um, But they're in the wilderness. They can't see the future. They can't see the promise, but they've just got the hope. And any time they, they lose the hope, any time they're in the prison and they stop looking at the, what, the, what God's calling them to, they go, man, the past actually wasn't that bad. Oh, man, that was actually a really comfortable, good place to be. Man, do you remember those parties we went to at uni, Shan? Man, there were some good parties. We run some, we run some great parties. Man, do you remember those Youth for Christ meetings that we used to, that we used to run? Man, there was like hundreds of salvations. I mean, we never got any of the kids to church, but man, good salvations though. Do you remember those times? Man, I wish we had those times again. And so we look longingly back towards our past when God's calling us to something different now and he's calling us to something different next. Even when they got to the point where they're on the cusp of the next, they could see, literally see the promised land. They're on the border of it. And they send the 12 spies out. They still can't see the, how they're going to overcome 
the challenges of the next season, how they're going to overcome the factors of the next season. And so they end up stuck in the present for years and years and years and years and years. An entire generation has to die before the next generation is able to see the promised land, to see the next differently. Man, I don't want to be a part of a generation that can't, that wants to camp in where we are now and not be able to look to the future and go, no, that's actually what we want. We want to raise up the next generation. And when we raise up the next generation, we want to leave a church, we want to leave a community that's in revival. We want to leave a community that knows who God is and knows who God is in their life. We want to leave a community that's changed. We want to leave a community that... Um, <laughs> That's seen from all around as favoured and blessed by God. Now, if that's the case, we need to do what we're called to do now. And then we also need to do what's coming next. We need to start moving towards that. We need to start putting stuff in place. So, how do we get unstuck then? So, knowing these stories... Knowing the story of Moses and the, the story of coming out of Egypt, being in the wilderness, and then coming into the promised land, what does it mean for us? Well, this is what I got from it, okay? How to get, it, how to get unstuck. Number one, complain in the right direction. Have you ever noticed that quite often we complain in the wrong direction? Man, Shan, life's tough at the moment. Isn't life tough for you? Yeah, Ray, it is pretty tough. We complain outwards, we complain sideways, we complain downwards. Man, Jacob, like the youth is such a pain sometimes, hey? Like, un- like unbelievable. There's this one youth in particular that's sitting in the room right now. It's just like, oh my goodness, what a drum. We're complaining in the wrong direction. See, all that happens when we complain in the wrong direction. We complain to our peers, we complain. Um, to those that, that are around us, whether it's up, down, or all around, where, you know, sideways or down or whatever. And all that will happen is, man, why won't God do anything in our situation? Well, it's because you're not flipping talking to him. See, the thing that I always appreciated about Moses, and quite often um, it, it's seen as almost a flaw in his character, he's a man that was full of excuses. But have you ever noticed that his excuses always got pointed towards God? Every single time, his, his excuses, his complaints always went up. God, I can't do it, and here's the reason today. And God goes, you can, and this is why. God, I, I can't do it today, and this is the reason why. You can, and this is the reason why. See, um, Moses gave every excuse, and God answered him. Too often, I think we complain in the wrong direction, and the consequence of that, it results in why won't God do anything rather than look what God has done. I had this situation, I had this circumstance, I took it to God, and this is what he said to me, and look what God has done. So it changes your complaint to a testimony of God's goodness. See, God overcoming our insecurities, and we're all insecure, we all get stuck in what we're insecure about. about. We all have that thing that we feel weak about. We all have that thing which is like a thorn in our side. Like if Paul had it, we have it. There's there's, There's a thing that gets you down. It's like your weak spot. But we have that so that we can give it to God and God can glorify himself through it. So Proverbs 12:25 says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Make sure that what you're feeding yourself on is good words. 
Man, sometimes we, we shouldn't eat what we speak. <laughs> we shouldn't listen to what we say. Uh, me and Shan have this thing where probably the worst thing that we say to each other at the start of an argument is probably the thing that we should ignore most of the time. Do you know what I mean? Fires off, oh, that was quite nasty, and then whatever comes next is probably better. We, we've got to be careful what we feed ourselves on. First Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So complain up, complain in the right direction. Number two, the second thing that we can do is we can pray. We can pray, we can intercede, we can contend for. So we pray and intercede. See, Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So what should you pray about? Everything. What should you pray about? Everything. If you're worried about anything, what should you do? Pray about it. And thank Him. Uh, tell God what you need. So that's quite good. So shopping list prayers are okay according to Philippians 4, 6, and 7. But here's the second part. And thank Him for all He has done. See, the thing is, is if we don't thank Him for what He's done, then we don't actually realise the stuff that He's already come through for. So our faith muscle isn't engaged. We don't have faith for stuff that we're not th- thankful for. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ, Je- uh, Christ Jesus. The third thing we can do is we can declare. Now, there's two ways that you can declare. You can declare just the Word of God is always a good thing to declare. The Word of God over your life is a good thing to declare. You can declare prophetically. So prophetically basically means I don't see it yet, but this is what I believe is coming. If you want to hear a really good prophetic declaration, um, when Elijah said, check again. It's not raining yet, check again. It's not raining yet, check again. It's not raining yet, check again. There's a cloud as big as a fist. Lord, thank you for breaking the drought. Unbelievable. What great prophetic declaration. He He was already prophesying to the next, even in his now. Man, how often... Do we pray for healing and only see like a a small change and then we don't thank God for that change? See, there's healing taking place. Oh yeah, my knee's like 20% better. Lord, thank you so much for your healing. Thank you so much for that healing. We're believing for full restoration. You've opened the door, Jesus, now do it again. So what do we declare then? Here's some, we declare the greater truth. John G. Lake, who was a famous, uh, famous, um, some would say a revivalist, some would say a, um, some would say like a missionary. He would say, I'd rather make, if I had to choose between God and my senses, I'd rather make my, full, uh, my senses the full. So even with stuff that he could believe and see and touch, he would still believe the greater truth, which is what God says over his life. I love that thought. So what kind of things can we declare? God, you are good. So declaring the goodness of God. Jesus, I trust you. You learn to speak this out whenever you're fearful and worried. Jesus, I trust you. In my situation, in my circumstance, I trust you. Jesus, you're all that I need. When you're in a season of deficit, a season of lack, there is a great reminder. At the end of the day, if we have Jesus, we have all that we need. If you're contending for something, Lord Jesus, you are victorious. We might not be able to fight a battle ourselves, We might feel overwhelmed by a situation, but to think that Jesus would be overwhelmed by that same situation is ridiculous. So we might not be victorious, but we're allied with someone that's always victorious. 
Finally, Lord God, power and might are in your hand. Your hand is not too small that it can't stretch out and change my situation and my circumstance. And finally, number four, the fourth thing we can do to get unstuck is get a guide. Get help. Um, there's no, it's no mistake that there's like over 51 another's in the Bible. There's over 51 another's in the Bible. How we relate to one another is important. There's this verse that's quite often used for um, marriage, and I wanted to use it here. Um, Ecclesiastes verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. It says, verse 9, Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. How often is it when we get stuck, that, you know, stuck in our situation, stuck in our circumstance, stuck looking in the past, stuck looking towards the future, that we don't want to tell anyone about it because we're ashamed. We don't want to tell anyone about it because we're embarrassed. But that's actually the time that we need to ask for help. If you're on quicksand, you don't want to slowly, uh, slowly sink into the sand quietly because you don't want to annoy people. Um, apparently there's this, and apologies if anyone's... Um, one thing that really struck me, um, it was a thing a couple of years ago, and it was around the statistics around people drowning. Um, and one of the things is that something like 30% of all people who drown will do so silently, completely silently. So they get themselves into a situation where they're, they're in trouble, but they don't want to bother people. And so it'll be like... Man, when you're in trouble, when you're in a situation that you can't get yourself, be the one that will cause for help. Be the one that has people around you that can go, man, you've been really quiet. Are you all right? Man, you know, it's been ages since we've caught up. Let's catch up. You want to have people around you that will actually see you struggling, that will see you in your struggle. Some people would call it mentorship. And there was great examples of mentoring in the Bible. Um, probably the best way to talk about it is discipleship. So you can disciple people um, that are less far along on the journey, and you can disciple people that are at the same stage of your journey as well. So allow yourself to be discipled. So who's doing that for you? Who's, who's the one that's speaking, situation, uh, speaking to your situations and circumstances? Find someone that you can follow. But here's the key. You need to find someone who's avoided the same pitfall. So someone that actually completely circumvented the same situation that you were in. So they have a key to actually avoiding it completely. Or someone that's victorious in it. Someone that's already won the battle. And if in doubt, follow the ultimate example. Just cry out and call out to Jesus. See, what would happen if we lived courageously, not stuck around an idealised or a traumatic past, not stuck in our current circumstance and not looking longingly towards the future? See, if we were living in both the now, we were, we were doing what God's called us to now, but also looking to the coming generation, looking to the next season that God has for us and positioning ourselves for the next, we would change the world with our words and actions and we'd actually be able to help other people get unstuck See, quite often we don't talk about our own stuff because it's like almost a, a thing of shame. But what you've come through, what you've conquered, 
is actually a testimony to someone else that will help them get unstuck. So what you've come through, what you've gone through, what you've conquered is actually a testimony to other people. What you've been able to conquer, you can help other people conquer. So here's my old call. I'm going to hand it back to the, um, the worship team. Um, it's actually, my altar call comes from my senior pastor from down in Invercargill. This is his, um, his words. He actually sent me this text not knowing that this is what I was going to preach this morning. Um, he sends a text out like every, every week just to encourage and just to go, hey, you know, I'm praying for you. And sends it out to people all around the world. And um, this is what it says. Whatever you struggle with, whatever you get stuck in, God is greater than your present and he's already dealt with your past so that you can walk into your future unencumbered by any doubts and fears. God is present and will never leave you and always, and he'll always be the source of your grace and power. Um, if there's anyone here today that feels stuck at the moment, we'd love to pray for you. Maybe you just want to come up the front just while we sing this last song. And um, people will lay hands on you and um, they might pray for you, they might not. Um, They might prophesy over you, they might not. But if you're stuck and you want to get yourself unstuck, I want to create an environment where we can actually have God move.